This program is brought to you by Pussy Magnets. Welcome, welcome, my lovely lumps. Or should I say lovely labs? I'm so thrilled to have you here in the Labia Lounge to yarn about all things sexuality, womanhood, holistic health, and everything in between. Your legs. Ah, uh, can never help myself. Anyway, we're going to have vag loads of real chats with real people about real shit. So buckle up, you're about to receive the sex ed that you never had and have a bloody good laugh while you're at it. Before we get stuck in, I'd like to respectfully acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which I'm recording this, the Manang people. It's an absolute privilege to be living and creating dope podcast content on Noongar country and I pay respect to their elders past, present and emerging. Now, if you're ready, let's flap and do this. <laughs> oh God, is there such thing as too many vagina jokes in the one intro? <laughs> Whatever, I'm leaving it in. It's my podcast. Don't panic, you're not broken. Your sex education was a piece of shit. Get your flaps out and pull up a couch. It's the Labia Lounge. Hey, 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 labial loves. What's happening? Today I've got a very interesting topic for you. The intersection between money and sex. So we're going to chat about how the two are interconnected, how to leverage one to enhance the other, sex magic practices and how to change your money story and heal your relationship with money if like so many of us you have uh, maybe some blocks around financial abundance or sex or both. Um, so to talk us through this stuff, I've invited Alex Harvey into the lounge today who is a money and empowerment coach and Alex helps ambitious women get paid for their gifts and their talents and multiply their income doing what they love and also like teaches them how to handle their money like a queen so that they can be the creative game-changing force in the world that they wish to be. So she does this through mindset, alchemy, embodiment and sex magic. And she offers her transformational work through one-on-one coaching, online courses, group programs and retreats. And she's also a sucker for sweet potato fries. But I mean, who isn't, right? Um, They're so bloody good. So thank you for joining us in the lounge, Alex. Make yourself comfy. Thanks for having me, Freya. I'm excited to be here and to have this conversation with you. Fabulous. So I guess like first port of call is I'd love to hear a bit about your journey and where you've come from with those things like sex and money. Like what, where did you come from with that? What made you get into working in this field? Like where you're coaching people on sex and money to start with? Yeah. Well, that could be a full day <laughs> seminar. <laughs> um, but well, both of them really came through my own experience and experiencing dysfunction and disempowerment in both of those areas sort of at different times so I'll share a bit about my story and coming through my own journey of um I guess transformation and and just finding out more information and uh and feeling like you know this Everyone should know this. Every, you know, we ha- the, these are two areas where there's so much suppression in our society. And as, mm. you know, we were saying before we recorded, like 
they're both such taboo topics and they're topics people feel Mm -hmm. really uncomfortable talking about. And they're both areas Mm -hmm. that can unlock so much um, freedom within our lives and so much connection to our true selves and our creative expression and who we truly are. And when we feel blocked in those areas because of either past experience well, a mixture of past experiences, cultural messages, what the messages were in your family growing up, then, you know, it really cuts us off from, you know, being our, our fullest creative expression and um, empowered to create what we love in life and live in that creative space rather than being, you know, say in a more survival or disconnected or shut down space. So it was, it's through the power of my transformations and what I learned and discovered that I ended up helping people with both of these areas. But to give you the ultra short version on my sexuality journey, mm-hmm. so I, I experienced just a lot of sexual shutdown and blocks from my late teens and I you know, I basically couldn't feel anything. Like I couldn't get aroused. I couldn't feel any pleasure, Mm. but, and I want, you know, I wanted to be having sex with my partners. Um, and I couldn't find any answers. And my, I managed to tell my housemate who was my childhood friend, you know, from four years old. And she suggested that I go to a doctor and I had a, a beautiful, like, you know, just a really lovely female doctor. So I went and I was just in tears telling her because I just felt, you know, you've got to understand things are really different now. Like I I could not find anywhere on the internet that anyone experienced anything like me. And my doctor mm. really had no idea what to do. So she sent me to a psychologist the psychologist literally couldn't talk about sex. And so I saw this psychologist for a while. And uh, and then I, I just said to her at some point, you know, like nothing has changed in that area. And she was just like, oh, really? Oh, you know, that must be really bad. Like we'll have to put you on antidepressants. So then I, yeah, I know <laughs> I'm looking at your face. Um, I got prescribed antidepressants. It was just, oh, it was just so ridiculous. And luckily, luckily I told my mom actually, and she looked them up and she just said to me, get off them, get off them. You know, like all, there's all these accounts of people who ha- I just can't get off the, these particular ones. So I kept you know, I felt so broken, just so fucked up, so ashamed about it. And, mm. and I kept looking for answers. I would keep looking on the internet. I remember kind of finding someone that talked a bit about female orgasm, didn't really have the answers, but they had a bit of stuff. And, um, long story short, I eventually, uh, when I guess on a spiritual, started to go on my spiritual personal growth journey and things led to, to the, to more things. And I ended up finding Layla Martin on the internet. And so this was like the Mm. first person I found actually sharing tantric knowledge 
and, you know, like a greater understanding of sexuality and female sexuality. And she was basically saying, you know, how trauma can be stored in the body and you can be um, disconnected from your sensation and, you know, you can work with all of it. And it just landed with me. And I was like, oh, my God, this like, oh, my God, this is it. Like this person knows what they're talking about. And so I, I worked with her and and that and I did a long journey of doing lots of different things, lots of different trainings and working with practitioners and studying sexological body work. And then that was what led me, yeah, through my own experience of what I learned that I was just like, oh my God, you know, how how are we not taught this stuff? Mm. How are we not taught the anatomy of our bodies? And and how we can have, you know, this disconnection or dysfunction, but it's actually, you know, it's all stuff you can work with and you and everyone can reach their orgasmic potential, you know. Like I didn't have orgasms mm. and I thought that was a broken thing about me and that I would never have mm. orgasms, which is just ridiculous. And so going from this total numbness and feeling so broken to, you know, being very highly orgasmic, being able to have internal orgasms, cervical orgasms, squirting orgasms, you know, like the works. And I just feel like so many women suffer and and don't realize what's possible for them and that they're not broken. And it's just, you just need to actually mm. learn about your freaking body and how it works. <laughs> So that's a bit about my sexuality journey. It was probably a bit long. Um, but it was actually, I guess it was shortly <laughs> after that that <laughs> that goes into my money journey, which was, you know, I had started out my career as an engineer and then I left that actually really during that sexual um, discovery and awakening journey and and I wanted to, you know, I wanted to do something that I loved. I wanted to follow my heart and follow my passion. And I had started a bit of life coaching and then I had gotten into sexuality coaching. And then I spent through all of my savings and I hadn't <laughs> fully replaced my income yet. And I hadn't realized that like, yo, you should just go get a part-time job. And, you know, I, I had a huge money crisis and, you know, and it was then that I realized, wow, like this is so important to living in alignment with your highest truth, doing what you love is like, you've got to actually have the money piece sorted. You've got to have the relationship with money and the skills that enable you to make it, take care of it, you know, look after yourself so that you can do what you love in the world. So that was my next big journey that I went on that, you know, I really didn't know if I was going to get where I wanted to with it, but I realized this is a skill set I just don't have. And, you know, I've been trained to get paid, paid a regular wage and it's easy to just do that and, you know, not have to face any of your money stuff necessarily. Um, you know, if you've just got that 
regular paycheck coming in, but it's a totally Mm. different story if you're charging for your own services, asking, you know, putting yourself out there, asking for money, managing like emotionally and on a mental level, as well as a practical level, managing an income that varies from month to month that doesn't have certainty and security. So I went on a massive journey with money, had a huge transformation, created a money management system. And then that very organically just rolled into me sharing that system with other people, running workshops around money, um, creating courses and, um, and really kind of became me help me helping people, um, with their businesses and creating a business based on the work they would love to do in the world, you know, and having the relationship with money and systems with money that support that. Mm, yeah, amazing. Wow. Well, how long did it take you just asking for a friend to get to the place where you were feeling stable and secure? Because I'm like, oh, fuck me, this self-employed stuff. Hey, I don't know how much longer I can handle the stress of not knowing when my next paycheck's coming from. So like all of what you're saying, so relatable to me. We're in kind of a similar sort of realm in terms of our, our work and our business. Like how long of like working intensively on your money stuff did it take before you were like, I think I've got that piece down pat or at least, you know, at a sustainable level? Mm. Well, it depends exactly where you start from. I mean, there there is a thing that it just takes time to build a business and that is very underappreciated, I think, in the online mm. world. Like it's it, it just takes time. Like it takes time, especially when you are making up literally what you offer. It's not like I'm not offering window cleaning services where it's like, okay, I'm just going to clean your windows. You know, like I'm creating Mm. what I'm offering and so are you. And it, you know, it takes time to really nail in what you offer, how you offer it, marketing, selling, all of that kind of thing. So firstly, it's just normal. Like, and and there can be, you know, sometimes people feeling like there's something wrong when there's not, because you know, that just does take time. But I would say from working on my money stuff, I mean, using my abundance planner and tracker, the system I created was hugely helpful um, and made a really big difference because then I just always knew where I was at. Supplementing my income with part-time work. I just so highly recommend that to people so you can stay in a creative zone with your work and not feel constant terror of survival and pressure. Um, And then just continuing to work on your beliefs. Like I I still, you know, have money stuff come up, but but I'm just aware of it so I can go, okay, that's a load of shit. (laughs) Thank you. Um, You know, but it it Mm. still always does as I grow and expand. But in terms of like income stabilization, I would say, uh, I mean, there was a time that I, I was more stable for a bit and then went less stable and went more stable again. But I'm just going to say maybe like four years. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It just, it does. It takes time to grow a business. And I think we're so used to like wanting that sort of instant gratification, magic bullet sort of quick fix, like, you know, people of our generation and under, um, that I don't think people quite realize just how much time and, and effort goes into creating 
a stable business. And yeah, it can take years. Like so many businesses fail in the first few years. And I think the difference, like I've heard a lot of entrepreneurs and different business people say the difference is like, how much failure can you handle and how long can you persevere? And if you just stick it out, eventually you'll get somewhere, but most people give up before then because it is so fucking disheartening and it's scary, especially if you are relying on that as your sole source of income. There's so much pressure and um, fear around it. So, yeah, I can so relate to that. But I'm wondering, um, do you feel like you like had to heal your sex stuff first before – you were able to heal the money stuff? Like how were the two entwined and how do they like affect each other? Because I'm keen to talk about this connection between sex, sexual energy and money. Yeah, I think for me it just more so came in that sequence that through um, my late teens, very early 20s, the sex stuff was the – very high extreme pain point for me and money wasn't because mm-hmm. I worked in a pub and went to uni and I, um, you know, having that kind of setup and then working full-time in my job, I, what, I wasn't amazing with my money but, you know, it was fine. Like I didn't have any issues, right? Um, I mean, I I think I overspent (laughs) in retrospect, but like it didn't cause problems for me basically. And the sexuality stuff was just such a huge, huge pain point. Um, And then it was only once I left the conventional employment model and wanted to do something that I was passionate about that then money became a really big um, pain point for me. And so I don't think I had to do it in that order. Uh, the, the connection that I see, you know, and I think you can be financially successful and still be sexually repressed. Um, and you can definitely be sexually liberated and really struggling financially. I've seen plenty of that. (laughs) Um, but, uh, I think, really unlocking your sexual energy and the the pleasure you experience and allowing yourself to be in that full expanded state helps unlock your creativity, helps unlock your true creative expression of who you are and what you want to bring to the world. And it helps um, – it just br- it helps you develop this this inner knowing, inner confidence, what it is that you want to do. Especially, especially if you do sacred sexuality practices, where you are really moving the sexual energy through your system, and um, you know, can really unlock your expression, unlock your your truth, your inner voice, all of that kind of thing. Really powerful, and so that all really really helps if you're then wanting to unlock stuff for yourself with money. And it can just naturally happen as you um, start to expand sexually and unblock things that can naturally just lead to, you know, increased flow financially, but it's not 
probably going to if you've got a whole bunch of mental blocks around money and a whole lot of judgment and a whole lot of feeling like it's bad and it's wrong and not wanting, you know, all of that kind of thing, you're going to keep limiting that area. Um, but if you have that creative expression really unlocked and, you know, I, I find sexuality to be an amazing way to connect like with your genius and stuff. So if you have that unlocked and you're, you know, working on your money stuff, I just think that's super powerful. Yeah. Mm, Yeah. Cool. Well, yeah, you're sort of mentioning like blocks around money and I know there's a lot of common um, patterns or stories that, we hold like there's some that I'm like I resonate with a lot like you know the classic sort of oh um growing up quite quite poor and looking at the sort of rich or wealthy people and seeing them as like these greedy fat cats or whatever you know money is dirty um you're greedy if you want money like it's selfish blah 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 money's not important for happiness and all of that Mm-hmm. Um, what are some, what are some of the common blocks or stories that you hear a lot with your clients and what, what was your main sort of struggle and story around money? Yeah. So I think that a lot of the ones you've mentioned are really common. Rich people are bad. You know, if I am rich, I'll turn into a bad person or rich people. I mean, people will hate me, you know, if I have mm. more wealth, I think, um, you know, I think that, from what I've experienced, I, I definitely experience men and women having money blocks, but I think there's an, a greater kind of prevalence of women feeling like you should never ask for money, like shouldn't even talk about money, you know, be greedy and bad to ask for what you want. And, you know, that's that's reflected in the corporate world with women not wanting to negotiate salaries or feeling guilty if they would ask for more. Whereas men more often, this is not all men, a lot of men experience that too, but men will more just go for what they want and not, not um, think that someone's going to judge them for that, you know, and make that mean something about them and mm-hmm. that they must be greedy and bad people. There's a lot of uh, people feeling like they aren't allowed to charge for something they love doing. And if they charge for it, they mustn't love it, you know, mm. and or like other people are going to perceive that, which is ridiculous. Mm. But yeah, that's definitely another big one that comes up. And, uh, and another big one is I'll have to, do, if I want money, I'll have to do something I hate. You know, I, I can't just make it doing something I love. I have to do so, something soul sucking or work really hard or sacrifice mm. things that I'm not prepared to sacrifice. So I would say they're a lot of the main ones. For me personally, um, I had a, yeah, a lot of trouble, I guess, putting my work out there. Like I, just wanted people to find me and ask to work with me, basically. I, th- I think a lot of people experience that. Um, yeah, so I had a lot of trouble with that and, and yeah, the kind of beliefs of it's greedy and bad. People will think I'm a bad person if I've got something that someone maybe someone can't afford or that maybe an average person couldn't afford or that's, you know, a higher price. And I also definitely have um, – have really had to work through, yeah, people will hate me if I 
have mm. money and if people see me spending money or people see me clients people that have paid me money see me spending money on things that are superfluous they'll you know they'll think I'm a bad person and why didn't I give that to charity you know like <laughs> how how could I have spent their money on something that was indulgent mm-hmm. or um you know, mm. not necessary. So there's some of the things that I've had. Mm. Yeah, totally. Totally relate to that. It's it's so funny. Like even though, you know, I've done a bit of mindset work around this, I've I've sort of read a bunch of stuff and listened to speakers and I'm like, yes, I, I understand that there are these patterns and stories and these like assumptions we have around money that are really deeply ingrained and there's stuff around like self-worth and offering something that you love, especially I feel like in healing circles or if there's someone mm. who's a creative or some kind of healer, they like we in particular really struggle to charge money for this because it's like, well, wouldn't it be lovely if this was all free? And it's like a where it's a service, like we're in service to people. It feels crazy to be charging money when these people like really need the service for their own health and well-being. And it's like you can understand all of this stuff theoretically. But it's really tricky to actually shift those um, really deep underlying beliefs. And like I myself have definitely, like I'm still on a journey with that because it's like I think I can understand like, yeah, no, like I'm I'm worth money. My services are worth money. Uh, it's okay to get paid for something that I love doing, for helping people, blah, blah, blah. And yet there's still some weird resistance. There's still this like belief that I think came from my childhood and and it's sort of just saying, oh, but it's like selfish or greedy or, you know, people won't like me. Like all those things you're saying, I'm like, yeah, totally. It's not even a conscious thing. I think if I really delve into it, I can catch myself and be like, oh, that's so funny that I didn't I didn't want that person to know how much I charge or something because then mm. I would feel like they will judge me or they will think I'm greedy or you know, getting too big for my boots if I'm charging too much in their eyes or whatever. And it's still a really crunchy conversation for me when someone's like, so like how much do you charge for like a session or this or that? And I know that my prices are like in the ballpark of other people doing the same thing, if not cheaper, but I still find it so, because, you know, then certain people who don't know that that's just a really regular average price for this sort of thing might, you know, I might notice their eyes widen a little bit or be like, oh, and every time someone's like, oh, I actually can't afford that. I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, fuck. Like, am I charging too much? Like, is this accessible for people? Like, uh, and then I get all wrapped up in my shit about money. So, you know, this is, <laughs> this is like an interesting interview for me because I'm like, this is something that I definitely still battle with regardless of how much theory I know about it and how much I know that that's ridiculous. I need to let go of those you know, attitudes towards money, it's very deeply rooted and it's quite tricky to like rewrite that. Um, (laughs) So yeah, big stuff. Yeah. Well, firstly, I would say, so this, this might be really helpful. This is um, something that I, I think is very powerful to get your head around. And that is, to see people as powerful. So when we don't want to charge money or you're like, oh my God, I'm charging too much money. There's this underlying current or or assumption usually that if I take this money from that person, 
they're going to be worse off, you know, like they don't have the power to replenish that, you know. And Mm. so one of the things that I would encourage you and everyone listening to this, if you've got a business or even if you're thinking about it, is see people as powerful, treat people as powerful because people are powerful, you know, and the more, the more creative we are, the more we're in our creative energy, the more we unlock our sexual energy to be in our true creative selves and awaken to what we truly want and love in life and what we want to express, which is absolutely a byproduct of sexual awakening, the more you are resourced. Like your power to create money isn't based on what's happening outside in society, whether there's a recession, whether the government's helping you or not. It's you being resourceful and you being creative. And if you're creative and resourceful, you can create more. So people are powerful. Um, That would be my number one. Mm. Another one would be you don't have to be affordable to everyone or not every product in your or service in your business has to be affordable to everyone. I happen to know that you make a lot of really great content. You know, I, you know, you've got your podcast now as well, and there's all sorts of other resources people can access if they can't afford one-to-one support with you. You know, you might decide on, on some occasions, you know, I, I feel called to help this person anyway. A lot of the time when people say they can't afford things, it's actually a load of shit. You know, like a lot of people, I've seen this happen so many times where people say, yeah, they can't, can't afford it. But yet I go and see them spend more money on that, on something else that's discretionary, on something else that they didn't need. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll go to a festival or, you know, I've even seen people hire a, like a really expensive um, coach that just did other other type of work. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen people invest um, hugely in other parts of their business, but they're like, you know, what you charge isn't affordable to me. And I'm like, that's actually not true. You just don't, <laughs> you're just not valuing it, right? Like you yeah. actually have the money. And mm-hmm. oftentimes when people say they can't afford something, they do have the money. They either just haven't chosen to make it a priority yet or they don't they don't see that they have enough money because they're not used to investing in themselves um or mm. they're they're stuck in a money story that they don't have enough yet they unconsciously spend their money on other things and they they literally spend that exact amount on other things that are discretionary and they just actually haven't seen that they could reallocate that money towards things that would add more value to their lives. I see this Mm. all the time with people in my Money Queen course using the Abundance Planner Tracker or if I run a workshop and once they actually look at the figures, they might start off thinking, oh, I don't have enough. I'm just getting by month to month. And then they look at their figures and they see all these places they can make adjustments because there's all this unconscious spending. So yeah, I would say probably there's probably a lot more people that can afford you than think um, they can. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that's also sometimes an opportunity to draw, um, you know, if, if it feels right in a certain scenario, draw attention to what they'll be getting out of it and mm. the, the value that it will bring, you know, because you can, you can, um, 
invite further inquiry around that when people say that, like I can't afford something rather than that being a roadblock and the conversation ends, you go, oh, just curious, like what do you think you could afford or just curious, like, you know, what makes you say that? And, you know, not being, not because you're being pushy and trying to make them say yes, but you just invite further exploration of, you know, where's the truth here and, um, mm. you know, is it an underlying value or belief that you couldn't spend money on something like this yeah yeah big time so much of the time it's just what are we prioritizing and what are we willing to invest in and something like a service that you know like coaching it's like kind of unquantifiable what they're going to get out of it it's it's a it's a life change it's like personal growth it's you know stuff that you can't really put a price on anyway so I feel like some people can't think ahead and be like okay yeah I might spend this amount on on a coaching package um because they're not actually thinking about what that would look like in their life and how much that would change every single element of their life and day-to-day um anyway but I'm getting a bit sidetracked if anyone wants to do one-on-one coaching with me I am available um (laughs) but I'd love to do this segment get pregnant and die don't have sex because you will get pregnant and die. Don't have sex in the missionary position. Don't have sex standing up. Just don't do it. Promise. So do you have an anecdote about your sex education, how it failed you, something you might have wanted to learn more about, a really grouchy, prudish sex ed teacher? I don't know. What do you got? Hey, babe towns. So sorry to interrupt, but I simply had to pop my head into the lounge here and mention another virtual lounge that you've got to get around. It's the Labia Lounge Facebook group that I've created for listeners of the potty to mingle in. And there you'll find extra bits and bobs like freebies or discounts for offerings from guests who've been interviewed on the podcast, inspiring and thought-provoking conversations, and support from a community of labial legends. I also have an account on the fab new app Sunroom, which is a platform created by women for women and non-binary folk, and where there's no shadow banning or censorship of sex-positive content unlike with the other platforms that I'm on. So you can hit up my sunroom for extra content and real and raw life updates because I'll be sharing on there from now on all of the stuff that I can't post anywhere else. My vision for both of these is that they become really supportive, educational and hilarious resources for you to have more access to me and a safe space to ask questions that you can't ask anywhere else. So head over to the links in the show notes and I'll hopefully see you in there. And now back to the episode. Okay, actually I remember one funny story (laughs) that's maybe not that helpful, but then I want to go on to like a couple of things because it's very, you know, Something that's very it. important. Mm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I had this, the most prudish teacher in my entire school was the chemistry teacher. And mm. somehow it was in the chemistry textbook to do sex education in like year 10, oh, I want to say. I don't know how it happened that way, but, um, yes, we got the, it was just so funny. Like he was very Christian, very prudish and we got the, the rundown from him and there was the diagram of the penis in the vagina and, you know, all the things labeled. And I remember one of my friends who was trying to tease him, 
Um, oh, yeah, because we'd also in chemistry been having to learn about uh, calories and kilojoules and how it all works and that kind of thing. And so uh, that must have been close by. So she asked him, how much energy do you burn? Because we've been looking at burning energy, you know, <laughs> d- while having sex. And yeah. <laughs> he just like, he had a cheeky little laugh and he's like, I would approximate three kilometers maybe <laughs> on average. <laughs> And everyone thought that was pretty hilarious. But, yeah, I had terrible sex education as a lot of people and I really wish that I learned about my sexual anatomy, that my anatomy of arousal and, like, how my body worked and also also would have been really nice to learn about how much thoughts, emotions, and experiences can affect what you experience in terms of sensation sexually and that it's all just completely malleable. And I mean, obviously that was never going to get taught, but that would have been great. Um, I really wish that I learned about the whole, how your hormones change through your cycle. Like, mm. oh my God, that would just would have been really helpful. Uh, like you go through a hormonal cycle. So you're going to have different moods through different uh, times of your cycle and, you know, different mm-hmm. um, susceptibilities at different times and, you know, maybe lower energy when you get your period. Like that would have been nice to know. Uh, <laughs> and just even, you know, PMS and and how your hormones are just really chaotic um, through your adolescence as you're developing because it took me like quite a number of years to realise that these times when I would cry really easily and be really upset, like that was my hormones and that was that was actually a PMS thing and that was probably happening most of the time just before I got my period. But I never knew that, you mm. know, like and I would have these intense emotional experiences. So I think that's another thing that really failed me. And finally, I feel like everyone should know this, so listen up because you probably haven't heard this before. Mm. All right. I don't know if this is the case for every single morning after pill, but the morning after pill delays your ovulation. And so if you have already ovulated, there is nothing you can do and it will not work. And if you have had, um, you know, been ejaculated inside of and you've already ovulated, the morning after pill is not going to save you. So I think that's really important. Whoa, totally. Oh my God. I I think I've taken it once when I was really young, maybe like 15 or something, but I definitely didn't know that. Like they did not tell me that. And I hadn't even really thought about it since, but like, oh gosh. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Good. That's a good one. I was never told about it. Mm -hmm. And I, I learned that the hard way. You know, and it was through researching that I found that and I was like, Mm. what the actual fuck? How? How on earth has, like, does no one mention this? Oh, my God. The timing must have been so, oh, that's such, because it would only, you know, if you've already ovulated, the egg only lasts 24 hours. So you've got such a tiny window there. Um it must have just been such unfortunate timing in your case, you poor thing. <laughs> yeah, well, I know 
I know someone that's actually got pregnant twice taking the morning after pill and that's probably what happened to her too. Like that's, mm. you know how the morning after pill is whatever percent effective? Like that whole percentage that it's not effective is probably all people where it was yeah. on their ovulation, but that just doesn't get mentioned. You know, Ooh. it's pretty annoying. Oh my God. <laughs> pretty annoying. Yeah, that's an understatement. That's kind of like pretty <laughs> life altering for some people. Oh God. All right. Amazing. Yeah. No one has, no one has mentioned that one. That is a brand new get pregnant and die. <laughs> Love that so much. Thank you. <laughs> um, and it's literally, so- you will get pregnant if, if you don't know about it. <laughs> Totally. Um, So I'm kind of keen to get like into the nitty gritty of how you work with people to help shift, you know, like patterns of stuckness or disempowerment when it comes to money. Like I know you use a combination of mindset work and embodiment and I'm wondering like how these two approaches work differently and how you kind of like go about it all, you know? Excuse the interruption, my loves, but I'm shamelessly seeking reviews and five-star ratings for the potty because, as I'm sure you've noticed by now, it's pretty fab, and the more people who get to hear it, the more people it can help. Reviews and ratings help me curry favor with the algorithmic gods and get suggested to other listeners to check out. Plus, they make me feel really good and appreciated as I continue to pour my heart and soul into creating this baby for you. And I promise I don't maz over them or anything. I mostly just tuck them away for a rainy day when I'm filled with self-doubt and existential dread about being self-employed, which is fairly frequently. (laughs) So you see, leaving a review really does make a difference and it's an easy little act of support that you can take in just a minute or two by either going to Spotify and leaving five stars for the show or writing a written review and leaving five stars over on Apple Podcasts. Choose your poison, or if you're a real overachiever, you could do both. Whoa now. If you are writing a review, though, just be sure to only use G-rated words, because despite the fact that this is a podcast about sexuality, words like sex can be censored and your review won't actually show up. Lame. Anyway, oh, oh, what was that? Oh, you're going to go do it right now while I wait. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a great idea. May as well just quickly click that five-star button before we get on with it and, you know, like forget about it and get on with your day. Um, um, oh, I'm hearing them roll in. I'm hearing those five stars. <laughs> oh my God, I make myself cringe. Anyway, uh, thank you much, Lee. You're a total gem and I'll let you get back to the episode now. Yeah. Um. So... The first step is really awareness. It's being aware of the things that come up for you around money. So in whatever, you know, capacity that's relevant to your life, it could be around managing your money or spending or debt or charging, you know, receiving money from people, just all your all your patterns and behaviors, becoming aware of them and then becoming aware of the thoughts and assumptions that are behind them. So that's mm-hmm. generally how I get started. And, you know, I've, I've, so I've done a lot of embodiment work and a lot of mindset work. And I would say most of, most of what I'm doing when I'm helping people is, um, doing it through kind of mindset and cognitively looking at things. But I think it's really important 
important to bring the embodiment piece in because if your nervous system is not on board, you know, like if you're um, if you're getting really triggered by things and that then can overwhelm your nervous system and you can find it basically impossible to do the thing that maybe you know you need to do, um, that like the change of behavior, or you just totally forget about it, you know, because your nervous system is trying to keep you safe and it's perceiving this as a threat, right? Oh, if I, you know, if I charge more money or if I tell people what my rate is, that's a threat to my survival. That's constantly how your nervous system is seeing things that get triggered for you. Um, and so, it can, you know, we need to bring that on board. So that's where the embodiment piece comes in. And I get people to integrate things in their body at the same time. It's almost a bit like you can think of it like how your health, like your your body and your mind are just not actually these two separate things. You know, they're literally like one thing constantly working together and influencing each other. And what a lot of people find with health things, certainly been my experience, is that a lot of it can is like coming from mental or emotional imbalances, which then trigger your emotions, which create the environments for yourselves, which create stress and disease. And so you, you know, you can do things for your health that are purely physically based and that can help, but also a lot of the time, addressing what's happening on a mental level or making lifestyle shifts or stop doing the things that are draining you that you hate or being a people pleaser or all these Mm. kinds of things like that's going to have a really big shift to your health and sometimes doing some of those things completely like that health issue will disappear Mm. right so with the embodiment and mindset you know the power of just uncovering what's underneath things can make shifts in your body straight away. Like when you can identify something your or like neutralize it or let go of that fear, like your whole body just relaxes. And also sometimes what you need is to feel something through your body, just breath, sound and move it out. And that, and that will create the shift. But I find like pure embodiment work not to have the sustainable lasting effects of also working with what's going on in the mind, like what's going on with your beliefs and assumptions. Um, you know, sometimes people do embodiment, they maybe get a bit high off it for a bit, but then they find their patterns don't actually change or they're just kind of going back into the same stuff and they don't actually feel empowered of how to do something differently because part of creating the change and creating the shifts is doing things differently. And sometimes that's uncomfortable. So I find like having the awareness of what's going on on a mental level to be just a a very essential component. You don't, I mean, you don't have to have everything figured out on a mental level, but enough so that you can see where is my focus going? Because your, your focus, if you're feeling stuck, keeps unconsciously going to your fears, beliefs, and assumptions. Mm -hmm. And so it's about being able to actually see, oh my God, my focus keeps going to my obsession with wanting security Mm -hmm. because I don't feel safe in the world and what's going to happen in a year's time if I don't have any income and I'm going to struggle and die, you know, like, and you can see that that's what's playing out and you need to be able to see that to be able to actually switch your focus and go, great, I acknowledge that, but what would I love you know, and I'm going to take the action towards that. But again, if our body's not on board enough, 
Like we can't even raise our level of consciousness to get our creative solution because our body's in, you know, freeze or fight or flight, you know, it's just too Mm. um, overwhelmed. So, yeah, I find working with them together and thinking of it as like this is my my entire system to be what's really helpful for people. Mm. Yeah, beautiful. It's just a really holistic approach, which I suppose is so necessary with so many of these things to tackle it from all angles and treat the the body and the mind as a whole. Um, and so I guess I'd also love to chat about where sex magic fits into all of this and and what your experience of that has been and yeah do you coach coach your clients to practice sex magic rituals at home to manifest you know financial abundance or just create certain things in their lives like yeah let's chat a little bit about that yes there's so many benefits to sex magic practices so many um <laughs> so on one level, as sex magic practices, well, sex magic practices are an embodiment practice and they're an alchemical embodiment practice. So it's all about shifting you into a higher state of awareness and consciousness, which you can think of as more into your true self, more into connection with the universe, uh, your higher self, all of those kinds of things. But quite literally, when you do shift into higher states of consciousness and awareness, that's what, that's, you know, when, when you're in that, that's when all of the possibilities are lit up for you. And you can just see all these pathways that you could go to create things. And you're like, oh, that's what I need to do next. This thing, this thing, like, yes, this is what I would love. And oh my God, look at all of the opportunity and ways that I could do that rather than when we're in a very survival mode. Um, we often are just so tunnel visioned and you just don't see possibility and opportunity. And then you, you might do something that shifts you out of it. And then you're like, Oh my God, I I just forgot about all these different things that I was going to try and different possibilities and way of doing things. So, um, so it's an alchemical practice in that way. And it's about utilizing your sexual energy um, and moving it through your body, through the chakra system, up to your third eye, your crown, to turn it essentially into spiritual energy, to expand your states of consciousness. And if you, uh, like if anyone knows Dr. Joe Dispenza's work at all, this is, you know, all the science that he's done on moving that energy up your central channel and activating each of the energy centers. And and he shows in his scientific studies how that brings online more areas of the brain and greater coherence in the brain and literally brings online more of your entire being and the coherence of it. A sex magic practice is literally that plus you add in sexual energy. So it can help you uh, process, shift, integrate on your nervous system level survival patterns, things that are stuck, going to the heart of, you know, blocks that you have around money, being seen, charging, like just what's the block there? Find it in your body and helps you integrate it and then helps you move that energy and shift your energy and shift your state. So you're doing that while bringing in the pleasure practices, which actually expand our window of tolerance in our nervous system. And, you know, and then there's kind of this mystical um, 
component of the sexual energy that, you know, we don't have science behind, but that is taught in many traditions that I, I absolutely experience where sexual energy is, is your most potent energy that you have access to, your life force energy. So to utilize that and harness that actually just takes the whole process just 10 levels higher. And, you know, in these um, mystical perspectives on your sexual energy, there's also an attractor force that you will be aligning. If you do a sex magic practice on something, you are aligning yourself to a greater degree with creating that thing, both in terms of imprinting it in your system, creating it actually as something safe in your system so that you can move towards it. And then also you know, changing, shifting your energy so that, you know, on some mystical level, you're supporting drawing that thing to you, you know, which is not something I can say is proven, but there are a lot of things on a scientific level that do back it up and make it such an empowering practice. You know, and I found when I broke into these levels with my sexuality practice and doing sacred sexuality practices, like I would just you know, I would just feel high at the end of them and so connected and so like it would so dissolve my ego, that part of me that is doubting what I'm doing, trying to work it out. How am I going to get here? What are people going to think about me? Just dissolves. And I'm just in that this is what I would love to share. And that's, and I just want to do it for the sake of it, you know, and really connected with that um, true essence of myself. So that's, that's just a bit of a rundown about a sex magic practice. And I have up until now for the past two years run a membership where we do a live sex magic practice once a month. I am actually just about to close that, which is really sad, but um, that feels like the right move for me. So then I will have you know, all of those recordings. So I, I get all of my one-to-one clients to be in the membership and do the practices through that way. So they'll get the recordings. And I I have run, at the start of 2020, I ran a retreat and we did a sex magic practice all together at the retreat. So mm-hmm. it's a thing that is evolving to its next, how is it coming into my work? It was in the membership, but yeah, it's definitely a thing that um, I find can just add so much potency. And I have a lot Mm. of clients tell me just what a huge difference it makes. I've got one one one-on-one client at the moment who who she literally does the recording every single morning and she's like, it just changes my state, blows (laughs) my mind. It's so amazing. Mm, Yeah. So cool. Um, it's yeah, it's given me a bit of a push to get back into it. I haven't done any sort of sex magic rituals for a long time, but there was a period where I was really into it. Um, and so I have like a bit of an idea about what that can look like and what that might entail, but I'd love it if you could just like describe to listeners what maybe a basic sex magic practice might look like in their lives if there's like a little takeaway that they could actually go and do themselves without needing instruction because I know there's like different levels and different ways you can approach it but yeah I guess for people who actually have no idea what sex magic is or what it would look like to do themselves could you give us an example? Yeah totally and I will just say it is something that is a lot easier to do guided. Like when I do them, oftentimes I'll do them guided as well because you can fully relax into the thing and just Mm. go with the flow um, of it. But 
that being said, you can, you know, you can absolutely get the elements and give it a try for yourself. Um, so essentially you, you want to come up with first, what is, what's something that you would love to create some of this expanded energy around? And it can be, can be a tangible things you'd like to create in your life. It, and it can be also, you know, like a quality that you want to bring more of into your life and into your being. So, so anything really. The one thing I would say when you're doing that is to really tune into your heart and get something from your heart because oftentimes we want to manifest things from ego. And when we do, it's just kind of got all this ego relationship to it. And it's not necessarily something that's true to our heart. Like it's coming from a place of, I want to resolve a sense of incompleteness. And that is often just going to end up sticky. Like you probably just won't feel like you'll get into the practice really. So something from your heart, something you would love, you know, and then build some pleasure and turn on through your body. I find really helpful to first um, connect with where is there resistance in my being to this? Like what part of me doesn't feel like this is safe, doesn't want this, you know, and that could be a a thought that comes up. It could be, do you just feel it as a sensation in your body? And then you explore that a bit just so that you can acknowledge that and allow that and integrate that to some level, which enables you to fully, you know, connect with the vision through your sex magic practice. Otherwise you might find that you just can't connect to it because you've Mm. got these barriers of this of the parts of you that don't actually want that and then you essentially want to build sexual energy and pleasure and start moving it up your energy centers so you you know if you're familiar with your chakra system you can move it up your chakras or you can just think of moving it up your central energy system so from your perineum up um, to your heart to your throat to your third eye to your crown and as you do that, you're expanding that energy and moving the sexual energy and, and transforming it into the frequency of each of those energy centers as you move it. And, you know, as Joe Dispenza shows in his studies, bringing online more areas of the brain. Um, and then as you bring it right up to your crown and you um, go, you know, you can move into a peak state of pleasure, then you just bring in that the five senses reality of what it is that you would love to create that vision and bask in that and um, imprint that with the state that you're in, in your nervous system and just, and imagine just sending it out to the universe. Amazing. Um, yeah, I remember um, doing a bunch of training with um, Baba Des from ISTA and like my my sort of version of sex magic back then was way more simplified version and also I'm lazy so it sort of suited me but I remember him teaching me some stuff and I used to literally just um, think about something that I wanted to manifest or a reality I wanted to create um, you know like a future self-vision set the intention for that pleasure practice or that session where I was about to make love 
um, to kind of use the sexual energy that was generated to kind of launch that vision into the reality, the sort of, yeah, reality. And, um, and like it was as simple as me just like keeping it in mind. And then when I was in a lot of pleasure or while I was orgasming, I would just like think about the thing that I wanted to create or feel into what that future self would feel like or look like and kind of just have the intention to like launch that, um, up through my crown and you know I can't I can't say I think I was doing like a bit of a hack job version of it and it was a little bit of a a shortcut and just sort of like you know um hoping for the best just being like yeah I'm just setting the intention I'm going to manifest this thing and use this sexual energy and think about it and that's that you know like it wasn't quite so reverent and involved but I liked to feel as though at least I was having a bit be more intention around it and like potentially using some of that sexual energy that I generated because it is so potent to, yeah, to catapult that vision into a place where it was more accessible to me or maybe it would happen or something. And I remember um, Des would sort of talk about how he used to, he built this sort of multi-million dollar business basically lying in bed with his partner and doing a heap of sex magic and just like talking about it and visioning and then making love and like setting the intention to just create that with that sexual energy and was very very successful um so yeah like I liked to think that it was as straightforward as that but I can't say that I've had as much I mean it's like how can you how can you um even kind of go yeah that happened because of that you know it's it's just like it's just Mm -hmm. nice to Mm -hmm. feel like you're doing something towards it and um that can be empowering and feel kind of special in itself but yeah thank you for that example I um I haven't actually done like a guided a guided practice before so I might have to check out some of those and get back into it Yeah, and just for anyone listening or in case you're interested, I am going to be putting together, so so far only people in my membership have had access to the rituals that I've run, but I think I think they're so awesome and I really don't see it available <laughs> really mm-hmm. anywhere else. So I'm going to put all of them together and put them in like a package that people can um, purchase so that they don't go to waste. Um, so that I don't know when this podcast is coming out, but I also don't know when that will be coming out, but I, my intention is in the next few months, you know, that will be put together. Yeah, amazing. I'll pop it in the, um, the Labia Lounge Facebook group when it's, when it's ready. And, um, and I know you're also offering your seven days of money ritual, which is like aimed at changing your money mindset. And there's like a workbook that goes with that. So I, I think you said you were going to offer that to listeners. Yes. So it is basically a workbook and there's just a few prompts for you to go through each seven days and it's bringing together like your actual numbers as well as what's going on for you in terms of your mindset. Um, and it's, it's actually a really powerful little practice. And I have a lot of people tell me they continue past the seven days or just the awareness that they got through that 
seven days, you know, has already made a difference to how they're handling their money. So it is a great resource. Mm, amazing. Yeah. Thank you. I'll put that in the, in the Facebook group for everyone to access as well. Um, but I guess just to finish up, I'd love, like, I know you kind of covered it and it is such a huge topic and it's not one size fits all. So I can't just be like, okay, so Alex, how do we heal our relationship with money? Like what should listeners be doing? But like, I guess if there was any parting words or a message or maybe a first step, um, do you have any advice for people that are relating to everything we're saying and being like, fuck, I really need to work on my money or they're stressed and they're in contraction around it? Me. <laughs> um, yeah, like where do they begin? Hey, me again. If you'd like to support the potty and you've already given it five stars on whatever platform you're listening on, I want to mention that you can buy some really dope merch from the website and get yourself a labia lounge tote, tea, togs. Yep, you heard that right. I even have labia lounge bathers or a cute fanny pack if that'd blow your hair back. So uh, if fashion isn't your passion, though, you can donate to my Buy Me A Coffee donation page, which is actually called Buy Me A Soy Chai Latte because... I'll be the first to admit, I'm a bit of a Melbourne cafe tosser like that. And yes, that is my coffee order. <laughs> you can do a once-off donation or an ongoing membership and sponsor me for as little as three fat ones a month. And I also have a Sunroom profile over on the Sunroom app, as I've mentioned. And I also offer one-on-one -on -one coaching and online courses that'll help you level up your sex life and relationship with yourself and others in a really big way. So every bit helps because it ain't cheap to put out a sweet podcast uh, into the world every week out of my own pocket. So I will be undyingly grateful if you support me and my biz financially in any of these ways. And if you like, I'll even give you a mental BJ with my mind from the lounge itself. Saucy. And, um, I'll pop the links in the show notes. Thank you. Later. Yeah, great question. So firstly, I would say to anyone in that situation is that you absolutely can change both your financial situation and your relationship to money. You're not broken. You're not, it's not just you that doesn't get it. Like it's just very normal to be experiencing contraction or limitation in whatever way. And, you know, it's, it's something that you can, you can totally transform. In terms of first steps, I would say awareness. So that seven days of money ritual workbook, part of it is looking at your numbers and tracking your numbers and not in any overwhelming way. Like you don't need to go and find all these receipts or anything like that. Um, but just starting to get you connected with that. And so I find that to be a really great start tracking your money. And then I guess along with that is tracking your relationship to that and how you feel about that. And just starting to like becoming aware of what comes up for you. So you've already mentioned some things, but like what comes up for you when you're talking to people about money or, okay, I don't want to mention, say the price of my services to these people. And just like be getting aware of what that whole landscape is for you. So then you can see like what is all actually false and just like a self-limiting assumption because you've made up a story about it. Um, and you can, from there, take things differently, but you kind of uh, take different action. But you kind of need to do that before you can 
even see what that different action would be, mm. you know. Sometimes when you're really in it, you're like, I don't even see what I could be doing differently, you know. Um, but it's just really important to actually get, yeah, be in tune with what's what's happening with you in your body. Is it shutting down? Are you, mm. Like what's going on? So that then you can change and um make different decisions. And I've got a short uh, money course called Money Queen, which is a seven-week course. The next time I'm running it will probably be in February 2023. So that's also a good course to get started with. Um, but I would say, yeah, for sure, just just getting awareness around what comes up for you. Like that, that took a long time for me, even in my money work, to really realize like, whoa, like it took me so long to realize the scarcity that I was Mm. in, in terms of just what I felt about money, because that's what I had always felt. Mm. And so I never, so it took a long time to realize, Mm -hmm. does that make sense? Because it's, it's all you've ever known. So there can be a lot of things like that around your thoughts and emotions that come up. Mm. Yeah, and what about if people like are aware of their patterns and they know they know where these beliefs are coming from, they know where they've stemmed from and they've kind of dug into that a little bit, but then they don't actually know how to rewrite that. Like is that is that a combo of the mindset work and the embodiment stuff that just gradually starts to repattern their nervous system or like you know what would be the next step after figuring out the patterns that are playing out? Well, once you can see what's playing out, that's when you've got a choice and you've got a choice to do something differently. And you don't need to change any of those old beliefs. You just need to become aware of what's an illusion, which is basically all of it. (laughs) (laughs) It's an illusion. And um, connect with what you would love and connect with the you know, connect with things like um, people are powerful, treat people as powerful. You know, uh, it's not it, it's not um, taking from someone to charge them money. Like it's an exchange that they're getting something out of and it's of benefit to both parties. So there's some things that you, you want to be able to see mm-hmm. like the truth of it rather than just your beliefs perspective of it, like the truth Mm -hmm. of it. And then you take the different action and it's in taking the different action that you, um, you know, that you change your beliefs. You don't necessarily change them. You might have the same shit come up all the time, (laughs) but it just no longer has the driver's seat. It just no longer has power and control. It no longer is something that you live by. And that's where as well, like a lot of the creative development work that I do. So I've got another course called Superconscious Creatress, which is about living from your potential, living from that creative edge and not, you know, neutralizing, no longer not living from your patterns and beliefs, um, but living from your potential. And so there's, you know, there's a system behind that in terms of mindset of how you continually connect with, um, what's true and what you would love and your creative self and neutralize 
the shit that comes up for you basically. Mm, yeah, amazing. Yeah, so it's it's sort of like one thing to hold the beliefs. It's another thing to allow them to affect you and to act from that place. You know, that's where we can actually make a decision to behave differently and interrupt that usual path or pattern that we go down um yeah love that awesome thank you so much alex it's been a pleasure chatting with you you're welcome and i was just going to say which sometimes is terrifying you know and so being in actually really supportive community that that you know is um on the same page as you can be really helpful because that can be terrifying but thank you um thank you for having me on all right awesome i'll pop all of your links in the show notes for people to check out i'll put your offerings in the facebook group um and yeah that's it thank you so much see you later everyone and that's it darling hearts thank you for stopping by the labia lounge your bum groove in the couch will be right where you left it just waiting for you to sink back in for some more double l action next time and in the meantime if you'd be a dear and subscribe share this episode or leave a review on itunes then you can pat yourself on the snatch because that my dear is a downright act of sex positive feminist activism and you'd be supporting my vision to educate, empower, demystify, and destigmatize with this here podcast. Also, I'm always open to feedback, topic ideas that you'd love to hear covered, or guest suggestions. So feel free to get in touch via my website at freyograph.com or say hey over on Insta. My handle is Freya underscore graph underscore YMT and I seriously hope you're following me on there because damn, we have fun. We have fun. Anyway, later labial legends. I'll see you next time.